Good evening and welcome out to our Sunday evening worship here at Mountaineer Missionary Baptist Church. We pray the Lord has blessed you with a wonderful day. We're going to be the book of James chapter 5 this evening, finishing out the book of James. And we've been looking several weeks here at um, Christian living. We looked at the book of Romans starting out and uh, studied about what it means to be saved and we're justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. And now we, we, as we finish up, James looked at a good way to, to live that Christian life. We'll go through our announcements before we get started this evening. Uh, Wednesday night at 7, we'll be back online for evening worship. Again, be praying. Um, our, our numbers in our county are a tad bit better, but statewide they are pretty bad. Um, we are praying that they all get a lot better so we can meet back in God's house in a safe environment as soon as possible. Um, be praying for those around us that are sick. Be praying for the families that have lost loved. Be praying for our medical professionals, our school staff and personnel, our kids. They start back to school in a, in a brand new way Tuesday. Um, and we really should be very thankful as well uh, for what God has given us the ability to do the things that we are doing right now to keep everyone safe. But really, these are all blessings from God. It's easy to, and we're going to get into that. It's actually part of the message where we, it's easy to say, well, thankful for this person or that person. But all this knowledge, all this ability, all this technology, it's all come from God. So let's praise Him for that. Before we get started, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word this evening. We thank you for thank you for your word and the power that rests in it, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those that listen may be unsaved. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would convict them of their sins, they repent and trust in you, Lord. We pray, Lord, for our area churches, you give them safety. And we pray, Lord, for our our, our folks that have lost loved ones. We pray, Lord, for comfort for them, Lord. Pray, Lord, for uh, the sick, that you would give them a divine healing, Lord. Give us safety and protection, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would eliminate this virus from our, our land. Give us a cure. Give us uh, uh, ways to stop it, Lord. Help us, Lord. Be faithful to you, Lord. Forgive us where we sin and fall short. And help us walk in faith, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be in the book of James, chapter 5, starting in verse 13 this evening. James 5 and 13. We're looking at uh, a message titled, The Prayer of Faith this evening, the prayer of faith. So we'll start in James 5 and 13, where the Bible says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, James says a lot in these few verses. So we're going to go through and try to dissect these a little bit. But he starts off asking, man, we just got done with the view of the coming of the Lord, the view of deliverance, patience in deliverance. And now we're looking at prayer. And James asks, is anyone afflicted? If they're afflicted, they need to pray. And if they're married, they're, they're, they've been blessed, they need to sing psalms or songs. Um, and what we are seeing is this theme of communion with God. If there are problems in your life, James is saying, you need to pray. And when God blesses you, you need to praise Him in joy through song. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, 
But people aren't making a joyful noise like they once did. When I got to travel and preach several years ago before I started pastoring, it really didn't matter what church you were in, about 90% sung like they were terrified that someone might actually hear them. When really, when it comes to singing songs of praise, it's really not about singing pretty. It's about singing with praise. It's about singing from a joyful heart, a thanksgiving singing. I do not have a singing voice. I don't have one. God didn't bless me with that. But it does not change the fact that I love to sing songs of praise. And if people are willing to listen, I sing them whenever someone's listening. They may think that I'm crazy because I am not a singer, but it does not change that I'm joyful. And I've been commanded that if God has blessed me to sing songs of merriment. And at the same time, when I am afflicted, I am called on to pray about my afflictions. Now I want you to notice something. Typically the first thing we do when we are afflicted is go to another brother or sister and ask them to pray for us. There is nothing inherently wrong about that. In fact, it's good to share your burdens with brothers and sisters. But first thing we need to do is pray for our own afflictions. Because if we aren't praying for our own afflictions, why should we expect brother, sister, so-and-so to pray for our afflictions? And James is on to verse 14, which is, for some whatever reason, one of the most controversial verses in the Baptist world. This verse concerning oil. Now, here is the thing. There are certain things we see in this that most people do incorrectly. Now, I have absolutely zero problems with anointing with oil. I know that tears some people up. But it, it, the Bible says here, if there's any sick among you, then call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing oil in the name of the Lord. I've got no problem with anointing with oil. Some people want to argue this oil verse here is, is a speaking of medication, at that time, as oil was used for medication, maybe it is. I can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's not what it's talking about. But I can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt there's anything wrong with anointing someone with oil when you pray over them. Can't be done. But we need to look at the context of the verse. That is where the mistake is made, and that's where I have trouble oftentimes with the way anointing with oil is practiced. Because it says, if someone's sick among you, let him call for the elders... It doesn't say to call for the deacon or the secretary or the brother or sister down the road. It says for the elders of the church. Now, in our Appalachian lingo, what an elder is, is a pastor. It could be an assistant pastor, lead pastor, teaching pastor, whatever kind of pastor. But it is a pastor that is ordained in the local church. It is saying if someone is sick among you, doesn't say to uh, that you have to bring them in front of the church. Doesn't say that you have to have a thousand people pray over. It says to call for the elders, which signifies to me that the elders is going to them to anoint them with oil and to pray over them. Now that's the biblical design we have here. So we notice, again, it is not just anybody.
anybody that, that does this is your ordained elders in your church. It is not for any sort of situation coming and going. It is not to be a, a showy or, or real um, whatever thing. But it is to be a reverent act of obedience. The oil itself has no power. You can take and coat some with olive oil all day long. It ain't going to mean nothing. But notice what it says here. Praying over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. So who is giving the healing? It is God. God is giving the healing. God is where our power rests. Again, the anointing would be a simple act of obedience. And, and, and here's another thing that we see that is, again, not biblical. If an elder was to go to a sick person and say, hey, let me anoint you with oil and pray over you, that's not right. The elders are to be called for and asked to do this. Called for and asked. That again, we need to make sure we're doing these things biblically. Goes on to say, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, here's what I was alluding to. A lot of, number one, because every sickness that is experienced is because we live in a sin-cursed world. In a perfect world, in the Garden of Eden design, no one got sick. But because of the fall of Adam, sickness and death came upon the earth. So every sickness, in a way, is a result of sin. But certain sins, or certain sicknesses, is a punishment for sin. We look at the um, scripture about communion. The Bible says because uh, many took the communion unworthy, they slept, which means death. They died. We see people punished in the book of Acts because they robbed from the Holy Spirit that they died as a part of their penalty. We need to realize that because of our sin we can experience physical sickness, spiritual sickness, spiritual death, physical death. All possibilities. It's not like, well, and I've heard people say this, that well, you know, God for God forgive me. He, he will. But it does not mean that you may not have to face consequences for your sin. Our actions have real results. What the Bible is saying here, though, is when we pray for people's sickness and deliverance, if they are having a spiritual issue, and not every sickness is a result of a sinful issue, Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, so sickness comes on everyone. But we need to pray for their spiritual problem if there is one. If there is one. You see, a lot of times we get caught up in physical things and miss the spiritual things. A lot of times we see someone sick on death of affliction. We'll pray for them to get healed, but do we pray for their souls? which is much more important than the physical healing. 
So as an elder of this church, someone called and said, Hey, pastor, I'm sick. Can you come anoint me and pray over me? I say, gladly. And I would have a conversation with them about their spiritual life. The most important thing that we can concentrate on is whether this individual, whether they get healed or not, is going to heaven or going to hell. You see, when you realize that God never says that He's going to heal these people physically. Remember, it says here, save the sick, raise him up, and be forgiven. Now, I said, well, they're going to save the sick. But is James talking spiritually or physically? Has every sick person you prayed for been healed? I guarantee your answer is no. But God will make sure by His sovereign grace that His will will be done. The most critical thing we can do is pray in the will of the Father. I would love to see everyone healed. And notice here, when they call for someone to come and pray, they don't call for faith healers. They call for the elders of the church to come, anoint, and pray over them. But the number one priority in the prayer is not the physical, it's the spiritual. You see, God, when a doctor comes in and gives you medicine, it's not the doc it's not the aspirin that does the work. It's God enabling that drug to do what it is doing. You know we'll find a cure to COVID nineteen when God gives it to us. You know we'll have a vaccine for COVID nineteen when God gives it to us. All of you all out there complaining about masks and social distancing, maybe that knowledge was given to our scientists by God. I can't say that it was. But if it's saving people's lives, I can say that it was. Because all good things come from above. Why do we complicate this? Folks, we need to be operating in faith and looking for God to work in our everyday lives. Sometimes the greatest healings don't take place by a great light shining from heaven and a crippled man walking out after someone has laid hands on him. Sometimes the greatest miracle from heaven is when a sinner comes to repentance and places his faith in Jesus Christ and his eternal destination is changed. Yes, pray for healing, but more so pray for salvation. Verse 16, James commands us to confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man suited to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now what James is talking about is does not mean that when we're saved, when we go around confessing everything we ever did, there's no reason to air dirty laundry. What this does mean is if I have done you wrong, 
if I have sinned against you, as a Christian, once I am saved, there is a great benefit to go to that individual and, and admit you're wrong. I had a young girl in class several years ago who I knew her, knew her family. We, we were all good friends. And during break, I had a bag of popcorn sitting there eating it. And she happened to come along and take some popcorn and start eating it too. Now, on a normal day, I would just start a conversation with this child. But it was a bad day. So because of that, I snapped. And absolutely tore into her. What's she doing eating my, you know, just hateful. And after the fact, God placed a power of conviction upon me and I realized that I reacted in a way that was unbecoming of myself. And unbecoming of the God that I serve. And I asked Him for forgiveness. But a few hours later, when the opportunity arose, I had to also ask her for forgiveness. Because I need to make right what I had wronged. That I responded out of anger that really had nothing to do with the situation. But because of that, had done a sister in Christ wrong. Sometimes we just soften our tongue. Sometimes we need to operate out of love more than hate and anger. And we always need to handle each other with grace. Just as God handles us with grace. God's church, long as it is on earth, will never be perfect. But that's why there is importance to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness to each other. But not only that, James says we should pray for each other because our prayers are effective. If a brother or sister is spiritually in need of something, maybe you've not seen them in church in a while, maybe you, you know they're doing things they ought not to be doing, the most powerful thing you can do is drop to your knees and pray to an almighty God to intercede on the behalf of that brother or sister. Because while your words may never reach them, the Holy Spirit of God, if He is within them, will move them to repent, to change, and to move forward on their Christian walk. Elias stopped the rain with his prayer and started the rain with his prayer. Now, if Elias' prayer can do that, what can our prayer do for each other? Again, when you rewind, the most important thing we can pray for is salvation for unsaved people. And if Elias' prayer can move God, now here's the thing, Elias didn't make it rain, God made it rain. Elias, and God could very well have held back from Elias if he chose to. God is sovereign over how he responds to man's prayers. But yet the prayer of a righteous man, a saved man is what it's saying, can move God to move on the behalf of brothers and sisters. Now let me clarify something. That has been mistaught and misstrewed for quite some time. A prayer of faith is not faith that you'll get what you want. It's not a prayer of faith is. 
If I pray for someone to get healed and they don't get healed, it's not because I didn't have enough faith. It's because it's not in God's will. My prayer of faith is my faith that God is a great and sovereign and a mighty God. And He hears my prayers. He listens to my prayers. And He will respond in what is best for me. If God has not moved the way you want, please do not be discouraged. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. That does not mean that God doesn't hear you. That means we have to trust that God knows what we stand in need of. He does provide our provision. Just as we read this morning, He provided the manna and the quail in the wilderness. God will provide what you stand in need of today. Maybe not what you want necessarily, but what you need and what God gives you in the end may be better than what you want. Verse 19 says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save the soul from death by the multitude of sins. These brothers, sisters, if any backslide on the Lord and we go to him through prayer and convert him back to the way that means we are starting the process I don't want you to think that it is us that forgives the sin but we are being God's tool to bring that sinner back to God because we're all sinners saved by grace. But to avoid confusion, to bring that backslidden individual back to God, that the sins he has committed against God may be blotted out. We need to realize that we are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. And when they err from the truth, we have a responsibility to go to him, to go to her, and convert him back to the way. Because we do not want to see our brothers and sisters get in sin trouble. You see, a lot of times, churches are very guilty. When a brother or sister falls into sin, they shun them. They shun them. Now, it's very clear. There is a process we go through with this for, for church discipline. But every step of the process has the intent to bring that man or woman to repentance. It is all out of love and none of it out of anger, hate, or punishment. It's out of love. It's discipline. To bring them back to an intimacy with God that they so need and that God desires to have with them. Let us not take this responsibility lightly. And let us make sure 
the number one thing we do with it is pray. Pray. Man will never convert a man. Man will never uh, bring another man to repentance. The Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. As it is proclaimed. Again, we are just the tool. God is sovereign in all these situations. It is through our acts of obedience and faith that God blesses and we enjoy those blessings. But let us be sure that all of our faith we utilize the best of our ability to bring sinners to salvation in Jesus Christ. Now while James talks about Christian living and we hit several topics throughout this the most important thing about Christian living is creating more Christians. And it's not just to say, hey, I've got another one we can add to the total. It's because people are dying every day and going to hell. And it is our job through being saved by God's grace to present the gospel to people that are lost and dying that they may find salvation in our Lord, be saved, be converted, and have their sins blotted out. Folks, if, if you're listening this evening and, and that is you, you, you are that, maybe you're that man who erred from the truth. Maybe you're that backslidden individual. Maybe at one point in time you were on fire for God, but you just fizzled out. The devil, he, he desires to fizzle you out. He will allow the pressures of this world to fizzle and to, to, to give you trouble. Everything possible to try to send you out the fire. It needs to be within you. I want to encourage you right where you are to use this moment to fully dedicate yourself back to God. It's what David did. David cried out to God in the Psalms and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Maybe you've lost your joy and God needs to restore it. Notice it's God who has to restore it. But it's through our prayer of faith that God does that. It's through our prayer of faith that salvation comes. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died that whosoever believes in him shall not perish of everlasting life. Will never die. But when they leave this world, go to live with God forever and eternity because they receive forgiveness through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Have you received that free gift of salvation this evening? If not, as we pray this evening, as we bow our heads in prayer, I want to encourage you to call out to God right where you are. You don't need to be in a church to be saved. You can be. You don't need to be. You can get saved anywhere. But wherever you are listening to this message right now, if you're unsaved, the most important thing you can do is bow your head, close your eyes, and ask God to save you through your faith that Jesus Christ died for you. Let us pray. Most kind, gracious, heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to, have to preach and teach your word today, Lord. It's such a blessing, Lord, to get into your word, to read and to, to expound upon it. We pray, Lord, out of the power of your Holy Spirit, 
would come upon all those who are unsaved right now and convict them that they would come to you in faith, Lord, and receive salvation before it is too late. Lord, we pray for for our, our people around us, Lord, that are hurt. We pray, Lord, for healing spiritually and physically, Lord. We pray, Lord, for obedience. We pray, Lord, you stir our faith up in us, whether we can be as Paul, be not just have the Spirit, but be full of the Spirit. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lead and God direct us. All we do is please come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pray that this message seems to have been a blessing to you. We uh, pray God bless you with a wonderful week. Encourage you to come back online and be with us Wednesday evening at 7. Thank you and God bless.